2: What is it about Football Insider? Why do you subscribe? Honestly, Dan, it's your promos at the start of every podcast. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) Why would you not want to get the knowledge first? Why would you not want those texts in your phone? I just, I smile every time they come up. I like to use these little nuggets and conversations with my friends, act like I'm, I just know more than they do because, you know, I do because I got the the information going directly into my phone.
1: Playoffs is going to happen this year. It's just really nice to get, Listen to you guys, you guys are like my movie stars as a sports fan and uh, to get the information, uh, the emails and the um, post game pod, you know, and
3: stuff It's just it's been the best money I spent. And I just think as bronze fan, we're, we're lucky to have the coverage that you guys provide. I don't think the other teams in the league have this kind of coverage. I live in L.A., and I guarantee the Rams and the Chargers don't have this kind of
2: coverage, nor do they have the fan base that would appreciate it. I read Cleveland.com every day for the sports. I read it more than the L.A. Times, and you keep me in touch with home. And having the depth of information that you all provide handed over to you is invaluable. And at the price that's being charged, its I can't even begin to tell you how much I've enjoyed it. Here's a promo uh, if you want to sign up for football insider go to cleveland.com browns and hit the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get involved in stuff like this hey everybody welcome to our post game orange and brown talk podcast I am Dan Lobby Mary Kay Cabot is joining me the Browns 48 37 winners their first playoff win since 1994 ends the third longest drought uh, of a playoff win. And as I just started recording this fan overhead just started going. So I apologize for the background noise there, but, uh, the Browns winners, uh, they are going to Kansas city next Sunday. Mary Kay, what is your big takeaway from this football game?
4: You know, the, the thing that comes to my mind is that, uh, you know, they believed it, they wanted it, and they knew they were going to come and get it and they weren't going to wait for it to come to them. They were gonna take it like Miles said that they were going to do. They were so confident all week and they were gonna set the tone for this game. They were gonna go out from the the very start and they were gonna take what was rightfully theirs. And if they needed a little bit more motivation to pull it off, Juju Smith Schuster gave it to them. He really did. And to a man almost afterwards, you could see in the locker room, on the field, and everywhere else, it was the big mantra was, the Browns is the Browns. You know what I mean? Sometimes, crazy as it sounds, uh, you just need something to get you over the top and get get your game face on, and and that really helped them tonight uh, pull this off with their head coach sitting in his basement on his couch and all the things that went on this week.
2: Hey, let's not forget, Kevin Stefanski admitted to us back when uh, Kaderil Hodge said what he said uh, about the Titans. He's not going to be afraid to use bulletin board material, so I'm sure that that came up as soon as Juju said that. I'm sure Kevin Stefanski was real happy to hear that. Uh, You know, what I take away from this is kind of, this was actually what I wrote after the game, that whole Browns is the Browns thing. This is the Browns. Uh, I mean, this is who they are now. This isn't a fluke. This isn't like... Oh, this is cute. What a nice story. This is a really good football team. And, you know, we've talked about the chiefs a lot on this podcast, and I'm I'm certainly not going to sit here and say, they're going to go to Kansas city and beat the chiefs, but like, it it wouldn't surprise me if they went there and gave them one heck of a football game. Mm
4: -hmm. Oh yeah. There's, there's no question about it. And we had a very lengthy and spirited debate, uh, as a podcast team, uh, I don't know how long ago, a month ago or so about this very thing. And then uh, and the debate was, would they have a better chance of winning the division or a better chance of beating the chiefs? I chose a better chance of beating the chiefs. And now we're going to get to find, now we're going to actually get to find out. And I can't believe they are getting a chance to find this out. I'm so happy for Browns fans. That's where, my heart is right now is for with all those fans that I've watched fill that stadium all of these years that I've covered this football team, they've waited for a team like this. Dan, you just got done talking to all these young 20-somethings that wanted and needed a football team like this. this Cleveland needs this football team. They need Baker Mayfield. They need Miles Garrett. They need Kareem Hunt. I mean, how exciting was that for Kareem Hunt? Uh, Baker Mayfield said he ran, ticked off, Uh, to get to Kansas City, so great story for him. Cleveland kid, uh, just everything about this. This is team destiny. I knew they were gonna win this game. I've been telling you that uh, since yesterday. There was something, there was a feeling, there was a feeling on their part. Even Baker Mayfield saying uh, during the week about not practicing, it won't have an impact on the game. They knew, they knew they were gonna do this. There was a, a strong belief They were coming into Pittsburgh and they were going to kick some Royal butt and they absolutely did it.
2: Okay. I'll ask you one more thing here. Ellis and and Scott have joined us. I've got to ask you about Baker Mayfield and and what you thought of his performance today. Just again, you know, this is what we've seen from Baker going back to what happened after he had that disastrous game here. Um, It's pretty symbolic that now the new Baker kind of got to come to Heinz Field and, you know, maybe end Ben Roethlisberger's career, maybe end this Steelers run. Uh, so just the way Baker played today, Mary Kay, I, well, I think talk of extensions, anything like that, we can just do away with. We we know what's going to happen.
4: Yeah, uh, We yes, absolutely.
2: What, what, what do you think? What did you think of his performance today?
4: It, it was phenomenal. I mean, he he has turned it. He turned it around. The lights came on. The last time that we saw the old Baker was the last time. That, that we were here uh, in in Pittsburgh and when he, he lost that game and Alex Van Pelt told us afterwards, the arrow is up and and he was right and he meant it and they still, they believed firmly that they had their quarterback of the future and their franchise quarterback on their hands and it didn't look like it and it didn't seem like it at that time, but he has firmly turned that all around and he has turned into, a really amazing quarterback who's deadly in the red zone. He doesn't throw interceptions. My goodness, he's he hasn't he's thrown one interception in his last ten games, and and I think probably fourteen touchdowns and one interception in his last ten games. He's been phenomenal to the point where they have a chance. They have a chance to go into Kansas City and win the football game. They really do, uh, and I, I think that they showed tonight that people shouldn't count them out, even though they're better when people do count them out, people shouldn't count them out because this team really is capable of anything and they can beat anybody in the NFL. So strap in because this team's taking you for a ride.
2: Okay, so now we'll bring in Scott Patzko and Ellis Williams and I'll ask each of you what I asked Mary Kay uh, earlier. Your big takeaway from this football game, Scott. We'll start with you. What What was your takeaway from the Browns' first playoff win since
1: 1994? <laughs> it's weird. I, I, and I wrote about this after the game. I I spent most of this game thinking about two different things. The first half, I was thinking about 1989 and and Bud Carson and 51 nothing because there were just so many similarities. All those turnovers and and defensive uh, scores and it was just very similar and. Even the score, you know, they led 30 nothing in that game, and they're 35-10 this game. Second half, I was thinking a lot about this season and all those huge leads the Browns kind of let evaporate and all these tense situations that happened at the end of the games. And I thought for a while that we were going to see that again. It did get tense, I guess, uh, but they never did get uh, within, you know, within two scores. Um, the Browns just found a way to, to get some scores in the second half to just kind of keep them at bay. I'm sure it was very tense for Browns fans, but it wasn't what I think we've seen, you know, against the Cowboys and the Bengals and the Titans, um, even the Steelers last week, you know, it wasn't a situation where they, they uh, not only had to recover an onside kick and then maybe get a first down. It was like victory formation after that. So um, for whatever reason, they, they found a way to avoid that and they did it at at the perfect time. And yeah, now you have, I guess, like, like they were saying after the game, it's, you know, the Browns against the world. Nobody's going to give them a chance this week, but um,
0: maybe that's the situation they thrive in. Alex, what about you? Yeah, the Browns reestablished their identity by leaning on their best offensive player, Nick Chubb, 145 total yards. Um, I thought the, the touchdown of the game on that screenplay, they, they turned the Steelers over. It, it looked like the defense from, you know, early in the season when they were becoming this opportunistic unit and it was on full display today and then like Mary Kay said you let Baker Mayfield take his kill shots and whether that's on some critical third downs or in the red zone it's what he's been doing this entire second half of the season and his red zone stuff has been consistent all year long as we thought would happen when you have a Kevin Stefanski offense and the Browns again reestablished what they do best and now they're playing the defending Super Bowl champions because of it. The Browns
1: or the Steelers finished the game or the season with 23 giveaways. They had 22% of them in this game.
2: Doug Maurice has jumped on as well. And uh, this is the first of a few late nights in a row for Doug. Uh, Doug, your takeaway from this one.
3: Yeah. I mean, I thought I just trying to imagine if the Browns after having so little practice this week and not having their head coach, if they had come out and snapped the ball over the quarterback's head on the first play of the game. And if their quarterback had then come out and thrown an awful pick on the next possession and the idea that not making devastating mistakes. Yeah. I mean, Chubb wide zone, Ellis called wide zone on gotta watch the tape this week. Awesome. Screen. Awesome. Great. Just don't kill yourself in a game like this and to watch the Steelers self destruct, but then not only that, the Browns take advantage of it. That The Steelers handed them stuff, but then the Browns did something with it, right? That they, they built that 28-0 lead. They moved the ball then after they got the turnovers. But I just like the reverse of it. Can you imagine where people would have been? And I'm, I'm workshopping my morning column, but I am here to create the only in Pittsburgh way of doing things. Let's flip this baby only in Cleveland is dead and buried. The Steelers started 11 and zero, and then lost a home playoff game to their rivals where they snapped the ball over the quarterback's head on the first play of the game for a touchdown only in Pittsburgh, man.
1: <laughs> we owe Cameron Irving a, a, an apology for a few years ago when he did that. I mean, Marquis Pouncey comes out and does it. He's a, he's a veteran. He knows what he's doing.
4: You We're know what sorry. I'm thinking? Another another sign, I think, of a little bit of disrespect. And we haven't really talked to many of the Browns about this, but the fact that they rested their starters in the season finale last week, heading into that game, I was thinking, do you really want to let the Browns into the playoffs and and come and beat you? Do you really want to do that? And they didn't. They didn't mind. They, you know, like Juju said. We can't wait to play the Cleveland Browns again. And it, you know, was that the best strategy for them? I mean, they, I, I, I just, I have to wonder about that.
2: So I want to, I want to talk a little more about the game itself and I want to talk about that second half Um, because one of the things that stood out to me, you know, it, it almost backfired a little bit. They had two drives in the third quarter where they took up a grand total of two minutes and 27 seconds. But I think, it was really important that the Browns in that second half stayed aggressive and they continued to throw the football. I think they threw it 19 times still in the second half. Uh, A couple of guys mentioned that Indianapolis game a couple weeks ago with Pittsburgh and and how the Steelers scored all those points in the second half and came back and won that game. A few guys uh, brought that up. I think coach Prefer did. And I think um, Nick Chubb did as well. And I thought it was really interesting that they stayed aggressive in that second half and just decided we're going to, keep going. We're going to keep trying to score points. And I, you know, I think that's an important development for this team, because if you go back to that Tennessee game, it really felt like they were just kind of hanging on and hoping that clock would get to zeros in in a few spots. And I I didn't sense that today in this football game from Alex Van Pelt and and this team.
0: Yeah. Alex Van Pelt had a, had a moment, you know, like that, Dan, the sequence you're talking about, like when they, they have a few punts and then they decide to go tempo, and then they have that, third down um they run like a hooper hooper stick route on the left and they had the whip out for jarvis landry converts that and then three plays later it's the 44 yard um or screen to nick chubb uh, you know that's all avp making a play and in a league where play callers are the new groove um you know alex van pelton may have stumbled into some opportunities here not saying he's leaving cleveland or anything crazy like that but you know the dolphins an OC, maybe you could call plays there because, you know, that's not an opportunity he's going to get here in Cleveland. But he definitely um, earned some, some a, a lot of respect around the league. Not that he didn't have it, but just to step up in that moment. And, and when the script and the, the having Kevin Stefanski as your extension is gone and you're in a moment there in the fourth quarter when you need something and to avoid stuff like the Tennessee game coming up, that's ABP making plays and <clears throat> doing some stuff that, The Browns have done in the past, but that Pittsburgh obviously wasn't expecting. You know, Nick Chubb hasn't been a part of this passing game for a while now, and he made the biggest play of the game and the biggest call because of it.
3: Uh, I will say, I mean, they did – the Browns did come out and punt the first three times they had the ball in the second half. And I actually thought it was – I thought a little bit of like the play calling artistry. I felt like there wasn't it, it, maybe for a little bit there, Van Pelt was searching for it because it's like you plan everything. And it's like, well, what's the thing we do when we're up by like four scores in the third quarter? Like, do we dial it back? Do we not dial it back? Do we stay aggressive? Do we throw, do we do the same thing? Do we do a different thing? Our linemen are getting hurt. I thought he was searching for it a little bit. And then the, after the third time they punt the Browns that stopped the Steelers and forced the Steelers to punt back where the Steelers did get the ball down 12 and now they, if they drive and score again, now it's a one score game. And like, they got to stop there and then they found it. So I did feel like momentarily searching for it, but then credit in finding it because that I was a little bit worried there. I mean, every Browns fan was freaking out. I don't know if they put, it's like, Hey, all right, Kevin, what's the plan? If we get up 28, nothing like, what's our balance of aggression versus, you know, wind the clock out. And to Alex Van Felt's credit, they did then get it figured out in the fourth quarter, um, but the defense got one really big stop there when the game felt like it was on the line.
4: And Mike Tomlin did, uh, did them a, a small favor by not going for it on fourth and one there. Uh, what did you guys think of, of that decision? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's win or go home. Like at, at that point, don't you just go for it on fourth and one?
2: The the city of analytics should put a giant card, a giant thank you card at the rock hall and just have everybody in the city sign it and send it to Mike Tomlin for, (laughs) for that decision alone. Scott, go ahead.
1: Like analytics jaws dropped across the nation. When that happened, it just, it made no sense. It's it's fourth and one, which you should go for almost anywhere. Anyway, the Steelers are good on fourth and one. I mean, they're better than, I mean, they are seven of 12 this year but they were six of nine when they ran it on fourth and one. That's all they had to do. And and they were getting almost anything they wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, their win probability just tanked after that because then yeah. Chubb, you know, scores on the next drive. What, one thing about um, the play calling in the second half though, the one time I felt like the Browns really just wanted the clock to run was that drive before that fourth and one came up when Chubb came out and got two yards, then no gain. Uh, then they it was an incomplete pass and i think they were i think it was 35 23 at that point it just really felt when they came out uh at that point that they felt we need to get the clock running and keep it running but um you know everything worked in their favor i don't think they they didn't force anybody into punting on that drive The, the steelers decided that on their own and it was just totally the wrong decision
3: and the steelers had scored a touchdown the previous drive on fourth down when they turned down the field goal and went forward, it's like, all right, well, they did that fourth down. Then they didn't do this fourth down. But, yeah, that was like – that was where the game was on the edge, Scott, That where it did feel like – because they had thrown the first couple possessions and the second half the Browns did, and it yeah. didn't work, and they stopped the clock. So then they came out to try to run it, and it didn't work. And then the, Bra- the Steelers had them. Tomlin's never going to forget that call. I mean, from every standpoint, analytics, momentum – where you are as a team belief in your guys what you do well I, I mean it it really is indefensible all around yeah yeah the
0: the steelers lost the game with two critical coaching decisions the punt on fourth down as you all just detailed and then starting the game with an offensive game plan to be a run first power football team uh, that those two first possessions i'm telling you were not on the steelers tape uh, they were doing jet motions with ben under center I didn't understand it. And to show you how much that game plan made no sense, you start the game thinking you're going to have a a run-centric game plan and your quarterback ends up setting a completions record by the time the game ends. You lost it on those two critical decisions.
2: You know what else this is a reminder of? And and I think we've been kind of hitting on this on this podcast, especially these post-game pods during the week. I know we've been hitting on this. Everybody wants the Browns to come out and establish the run. Guys, this is a passing football team, period plain and simple. They aren't going to come out and pound the football the first two quarters of the game. They're going to throw the ball. And I think we saw that today. It's what the Steelers should have done. You know, we, we always throw around that word analytics that running the football over and over again in the first half of a game goes against that. This is a team that wants to throw the football early in games. And I think we're starting to see that now going all the way back to that Jacksonville game. This is a trend. They haven't had a first half since that Jacksonville game, since before that Jacksonville game where they've had more runs than passes. So if you're big established the run guy, it, maybe it happens next week because Kansas City stinks against the run, but th- this team throws the football. And, and I think at some point on this, on this pod or on some video or somewhere, I, I think all of us have kind of made that point that, that eventually this team was going to open things up a little bit and throw more.
4: Yep. Yep. And the thing to remember about next week is uh, they're getting Denzel Ward back. They're getting Joel Petonio back. They're getting their head coach back. Presumably they're getting their offensive line coach back. Uh, And this is, this is a team that believes that they can beat anybody. They really believe that. And there is no way that they think right now that they don't have a chance to beat Kansas city because they believe it. And it's gonna be, it's gonna be a hell of a, a week. It really is.
0: Yeah, Dan, to your to your point about this, the Browns throwing early, defensive coordinators are catching on too, because the Browns faced lighter boxes, and it's what attributed to Kareem Hunt's two first quarter rushing touchdowns. The Steelers thought the Browns were gonna to throw tonight, and then they come back and can mix in runs, and are they're, they're gashing runs, they're crippling runs, 10, 11 yards, and it's Kareem Hunt in the end zone twice in the first quarter.
2: Scott, you looked like you wanted to say something
1: there. I was going to say it was close in the first half, though. Um, it was 12, I think 12 runs for Chubb and Hunt, 15 passes. Um, and, and the key here is that you have two guys who are so good at busting big runs. That's, I think, what leads like, people like Ellis and I to say the Browns should maybe uh, uh, lean on the run a little more than they have. Uh, it's true that the passing is more efficient, and, and the Browns know that. Um, but you know, and not everybody has a, a, an offense like the Ravens do. Not everybody has Lamar Jackson in the backfield, but not everybody has Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield either. And these are two guys who are, are pretty special and could do things that a lot of other backs can't. And I mean, Chubb had 6.6 yards per carry, Kareem Hunt 11 yards per carry tonight in the first half. So, I mean, the perfect marriage is what they're looking for. Uh, and tonight it's just, everything just worked.
3: They also had twenty-eight points with twelve offensive plays, so mm. like we're never going to see a game like that again. So I mean, it's like I don't even know how you plan for that.
0: Yeah, and to into Doug's point, uh, Baker Mayfield not hit tonight, not sacked, playing with a, what a, a fourth-string lineman, someone he met in the locker room before the game. No Jack Conklin, no Batonio, not hit, not sacked. It, we won't see that again either. It's just a, a remarkable day here in Pittsburgh and Heinz Field night, I should say. <laughs>
2: All right. Well, uh, that'll do it for, for this edition of the podcast. As Mary Kay said off the top, we are finally going to get an answer to the question. Are the Browns more likely to win the AFC North or beat the Kansas City Chiefs. You don't normally get it. You don't normally get answers to those questions. But we are going to get an answer to that question by about seven o'clock next Sunday. So it'll be Browns and Chiefs and Arrow. Doug,
3: were you going to say something? No, it's just that in the end, the answer was both are possible. like that that not that like both are crazy is that like both because it wasn't far away right we all saw the path where uh, you know it could have happened with the division and now here we are and as good as kansas city is i don't know that anybody listening to this is thinking to themselves well it was a good run it's gonna end next like they've got a shot yeah that's pretty amazing
4: yeah
2: Okay, Browns winner's first playoff win since 1994. It ends the third longest drought without a playoff win in NFL, In the NFL. It leaves just the Bengals, and I'm blanking on who the other team is Lions. The Lions, yes. The Bengals and the Lions now have the uh, – they are still one and two in those rankings, and I believe – yeah, whatever, I'm not even trying to remember who it was in 2000. There's somebody else who takes over that mantle of third. You can look it up on your own if you want to. So for Doug, Scott, Ellis, Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.